On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil, pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yeah, it is time on a Monday to have a chat with uh, some of the characters in our sport and find out a little bit about the story behind the name. And I thought it would be quite fitting today to chat with a gentleman who we saw on our television screens and heard via the radio on Saturday there at Royal Randwick achieve something that he had always wanted to achieve, and that was winning a Group 1 here in Australia, let alone just winning, hey, a Group 1. I speak of Irish jockey Robbie Dolan, and he joins us on the phone. G'day, Robbie. G'day, how are you? Great to talk to you, mate. I know you've done some Melbourne radio this morning with the great man Andrew Bensley, and uh, he had your father on having a discussion, and I thought, well, for our New South Wales audience, it would be great to have a chat about you because we regularly have you on Racing HQ, and we talk about rides and various things, but we don't really know your full story. So, mate, strap yourself in for the next 30 minutes, and let's see where this takes us. Um, Where did you grow up? Where did it all start? I grew up in a small town in Ireland called Kildare. Um big base town is just right on the edge of the Curra race course, um, where the where the derby is held and sort of always had a racing background. Grandfather was a two time class winning jockey. Uh, used to ride back in the in the seventies, rode a lot of a lot of winners. Um grandfather uh, was a jockey for a little while and worked for Dharma Weld for over twenty years. Um involved with a lot of horses that come over here and run in the cup and stuff like that and you know I suppose I was always destined to be a jockey um I didn't really I didn't really know how I how I'd do it but uh, yeah it was probably always in the blood it was something that you started as a young age I mean was there encouragement from your father and, and grandparents or were the family sort of maybe trying to steer you into something else um Nobody really tried to steer me any direction. I suppose, um, I, I, to be honest, I wanted to sort of be an actor when I was a when I was a kid. I'd done a bit of uh, drama in school and stuff like that. But I suppose when I got a little bit older, um, and I started to be around horses a little bit more, uh, sort of, I used to always go to the races and watch the jockeys. Um, you know, I used to. I have Kieran Fallon's autograph at home and Johnny Murta's autograph and their goggles and stuff like that back in Ireland. Um, and uh, I suppose when I got to that age where, you know, I, I was starting to mature a little bit, and I sort of needed to come around, and I was I was really fed up with school. I didn't want to be in school anymore. And, um, I just said, you know, screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be a jockey. And at that stage, I was 16. I never really sat on horse before, and um, I, I applied to go to the racing academy in, in Kildare. Um, and happily I got accepted. So tell us about the racing academy. What what does that entail? So you're 16, you're hating school, as most 16 year olds are. I mean, it's that type of age. We're thinking, ah, oh, this is you know, what are we doing this for? Um, and we and we and, and and maybe it's something with our generation too. I mean, we want everything right now. You know, we don't want to sometimes put the hard yards in. You know, we're so used to everything being so instant. So you, I can understand the frame of mind you're in. Um, what did you do at the racing academy? So basically, the racing academy it's it's called race start, stands for racing academy and center of education. So basically, you go to the race for nine months. Um, you leave home. You go there from Monday to Friday, and then you get to go home on the weekends back to your home. Um, they basically teach you everything. 
from putting a head collar on, tacking up a horse, brushing one over, how to how to, you know, see any signs of lameness in horses, checking their feet. Um and then obviously riding as well. They teach you how to trot, how to get your rhythm, how to get your balance, how to hold one. Um it's something that really probably needs to be set up in Australia. I know they have little things like that, but um this system over the last you know, I'm gonna say years, I think it has like an eighty percent, nearly eighty five percent strike rate of people who you know, not necessarily be jockeys but go on to work in the racing industry and they're the real heartbeat of um of Irish racing. Mm. Like if you ask most of the people um who work in racing stables in Ireland, you know, a majority of them have been through race, um, in some sense and basically I stay here just pitching three different groups and um, it's group A, B and C. Group A is for riders who've you know, they've already ridden horses, they're advanced. And then group B is probably the mediocre level and then group C is really ridden horses at all. So I was in group C most of the way through. Wow. Um, and I was I was in the bottom bunch all the time and um you know, I was the last one out on the gallops and in the Trotten Arena a lot for for a lot longer than, than everyone else and after probably six months in race they send you out to um train around the Curra. Um so there's you know, multiple different trainers around the place and probably two or three are trainees from the course of go to one trainer um, so they get dropped out in the morning and then get collected at lunchtime and then drop back out in the afternoon for, for evening stables um, but yeah I didn't actually get to go out to a trainer until like the, I think the course started in September and everybody was out in trainers by by December I don't think I got out until February or something like that so wow. it was pretty yeah it was pretty useless <laughs> and um yeah, so once 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 I left race, um, I I was working in the table that I got the assigned to in race. Um, got kept on as as a as an apprentice, but I couldn't get any rides. I really struggled with any rides, so I decided to go on um, go on the apprentice somewhere else. And before I came over here, I had about a hundred ninety to a hundred rides, and I had about five winners. Um, and then I just decided. To uh, to make switch over here. Let's con- uh, just to go back um, about you know the, the time it took. So September, you know, and then obviously you're not, you're not out uh, doing what the other students are doing until February. What did you put that down to? Was it uh, th- were they telling you what you were you know what you were doing wrong at the time? What, why did it take so long? Oh, I was very weak. I was very weak. Um, I had no confidence in my riding at all. I I struggled to hold most of the horses. Um, and like you said, uh, like I said, the co- confidence was down, and like confidence is the same in any any profession. You know, you got to have confidence in your abilities. And um, there was a, there was probably about four of us left from thirty two in the course left um, by that stage. And um, yeah, but I, I suppose you know I, I sort of look back on it now, and it was probably a good thing because I got extra support from the from the teachers on there, you know, mm. one 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 lessons and stuff like that, where like, at the very start, there's 32 people, you know, and there's 30 people trying to teach 32 people how to ride, so mm. at the end, I got a lot of one-on-one time and worked on my flaws a bit more. 
Robbie, we're just having a little bit of a reception uh, bounce around with you, mate. I'm not sure where you are. Obviously, you're in quarantine or you're in a isolation. So if you're at home, maybe just move to a different spot. Um, just bouncing around sometimes when you speak, but we're okay for the moment. So you have, what did you say, 95 to 100 rides and only five winners. Now, because obviously that took a long period of time between September and February, how many times did you have the conversation with yourself after you'd uh, um, graduated, so to speak? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Um, not really a loss, to be honest. It was sort of... Can you hear me better now, by the way? Yeah, yeah much better. It was just jumping around a bit, that's all, and cutting yeah. out in certain points, that's all. Yeah, quarantine place and better. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think, sort of... I was, I was very adamant that I, I knew I had a lot to improve on, so, you know, I'd get to probably 50 rides and I had a couple of winners, one or two winners, and I was thinking... Well, this time next year, I'll be able to ride a bit better. You know, I, I always sort of looked at it that way. Like, um, you know, this time next year, I should be should be a better rider, and hopefully, we'll have more winners and stuff like that. But the idea of going overseas didn't really cross my mind. I didn't want to go to England because I know too many too many people from Ireland go to England, and it's very hard to make it. And, um, I just I I just knew that I wasn't good enough at that stage. To go to England and get well as an apprentice, um, mm-hmm. and like probably towards the end you know, of my time in Ireland, I, I I had a couple of winners the last couple of weeks in Ireland, and and you know I was trying to explain to my parents and my my old boss and stuff like that that look I'm I'm going to make the switch to Australia, and a lot of them told me I was mad, but um, you know it was just something that I was sort of. I watched a good bit of Australian racing just leading up to, you know, making that decision and, and uh, I just thought myself that, you know, I can do that. I, I might be able to have a crack over there and see what happens. And at least if at least if I don't, if I, if I don't do it, you know, if, if, I, if I don't do well, I can, at least I can say I tried. So that's all. That's all I, I wanted yeah. to do. Okay, so um, why Australia? And where where did the obviously you're a racing fan, and you've said before on this program that you you followed all racing around the world, and uh, obviously you know there, there's a connection with Ireland and Australia in terms of you know that we we talk about the Melbourne Cup, and we've seen a lot of uh, good young jockeys uh, from Europe, especially the UK and Ireland, come to our shores and and get that experience. But why did you? Why were you so keen to come here? Um. Uh, originally, I wanted to go to America. Um, I, I thought American racing probably, you know, like similar to Australia, they work on a block a lot, and you know, it's. Um, I just thought I could really progress my learning over there, and, and same here. My brother was in America; he's still in America. He works as a, a trainer over there, so I just thought America would be a great place for me to go and learn from him, and you know, I'd be able to just get a push along. Uh, I know someone over there. Like I know, I didn't know anyone in Australia, but it was very hard to get a visa for America, um, stuff like that. And, and like Australia was definitely second on the list. And I was, I was um, once doing a little bit more research and watching the racing. Um, I, was, I was definitely adamant that Australia was where I wanted to go. Um, I had a friend over here just writing track work, um, actually for Richard Litt, and um, she. She sort of you know, kept telling me like, "Oh no, it's amazing over here! Like, even if you don't make it as a jockey, if you have a have a crack, 
there you go. Um, if you don't make it, there's still, you know, a nice bit of money and, and experience to be made. Yeah. Um, just finding track work and, and, you know, stuff like that. So I was pretty eager then after that. So getting with Mark uh, Newnham, was it, a matter, was, it, was it a matter of you contacting Mark and, and sort of putting your CV forward or ha- how does that process work? It was it was sort of, um, I actually, I first initially went to Melbourne and I was there for a month and then I took the switch to Sydney um, because it was a little bit hard to get an apprentice license there. Um, you know, they've got their, their rules and regulations, which is which is great. Um, I just sort of come out and, over and wanted to get an apprentice license and you know, a bit of a witness, which is fine. Um, so I made the switch to Sydney anyway. I, I wrote a little bit of freelance track work at Warwick Farm. Um, I stayed in Richie's house, actually, because I had nowhere else to stay. And then I, I, wrote, I rode a couple of lots for Richie in the morning. Then I went and rode for Rick Worthington. And I went to ride one or two for Mark. Then I rode one or two for Manny Smith. I was just riding for everyone, you know. I was riding, like, 15 lots in the morning just flat out for a lot of different people and sort of everyone was sort of happy with me and I was I was a few offers to be to be apprentice I won't say from who but there was a couple of different trainers that approached me to be apprentice and I just I, I sort of seen um, I've seen a, a really like I, I sort of I, when I was apprentice I was apprentice to a young trainer who was just starting out and he went from like having 10 Seven to ten horses within a year. He had sixty or seventy horses, and I really enjoyed the whole process of like the stable really building from the ground up. And I sort of seen that in Mark as well. Mark was just starting out. He had like half a barn full of horses, and he just seemed so like optimistic about everything. And everyone, everyone had great things to say about him. And I rode, I rode one lot for him one morning, and um, and he called me that afternoon. And he said, would you be able to ride a few more tomorrow? And I said, yeah, no problem. And I rode a few more from him. And then eventually I started to just ride a lot for Mark and a little bit less for other trainers. Then one morning I was tacking one up in the box and he came in and he said, oh, somebody mentioned that you'd like to be apprentice. And I was like, yeah, I would love to be apprentice. And he was like, all right, well, you start tomorrow and you start your work wow. in the afternoon. <laughs> I was like, great. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I mean, to... To then really, uh, I guess, when did the 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 moment set in that you thought, right, okay, um, you know, because, you, you know, the quotes after your race win on Profondo, where, you know, you arrived with a backpack and you just mentioned then you were, you know, you were staying at Richie's place on the couch and, you know, you were sort of, you sort of hadn't really laid foundation, so to speak. But then once you obviously got that opportunity with Mark and when did it really start to set in that, right, oh, I have an opportunity here to, to set myself up and, to, to become this, you know, this jockey that's going to be hopefully in Sydney for a long, long time. Um, it probably didn't really hit me until I had my first winner. I wrote like I was writing out a lot, strapping at the races. I used to strap a couple of times a week for Mark all over the place, and uh, it took it took so long to get my license for the reasons and stuff like that. And uh, like I was, I started marking. Like, oh, hang on. Hang on, Robbie. We're just losing you again, mate. You're um, you're just yeah. Just it just it just cuts in and out sometimes with the reception, mate. You're in a um, you're in the den yeah. downstairs. Yeah, I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Go again, mate. Um, 
I was just saying it, it took me a couple of months to get my license with Mark. I started off in November with Mark, and I didn't get I didn't have my first race right till like April or May or something like the next year. So it was months of like a lot of paperwork. Mark's sister Paula helped me out with the paperwork and stuff, and then it just took ages to get any response from the government, and you know they were a little bit hesitant to. You know, we weren't sure of the whole situation because it was sort of new to them as well. And um, eventually, I eventually I was just about ready to go. Um, I was writing a bit of work on that horse victory anthem for Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Mark will tell you this story himself. It's pretty funny. I was um, I was writing him work, and he come. I think he come from Darren Weir's, but he wasn't wasn't much good. You know, he was wasn't galloping doing much at all and he was just floating around he was light boned he was um, you know we never really thought much of him but Mark put blinkers on him one morning in a jump out when I rode him and he blitzed him in the jump out like four or five lengths just straight to the front and kept going and Mark was like alright you're going to have your first trial next week on him so I was buzzing I was ready to go and I said to Mark I said Mark what's the trial you know what? What do they do with these trials? Like I don't really understand because I've never seen trials in Ireland or anything like that. And he just said to me, "Oh, it's like a race, but no prize money. You know, it's just for fitness." And I was like, "All right, no worries." Anyway, I got to the day of the trial, and I said, "Oh, I had my new boots on, new gloves. I was ready to rock." And he he said, "Just blinkers on. Just get him out of the gate. Just go to the front, lead in the trial, and just give him a squeeze with the running. Just let him know he's there. No worries." Jumped along, kicked along in front, gave him a squeeze, came back in. by <laughs> I was like, I was bouncing off him up the straight, trying to get him to hit the line. Come back in, I thought I was on winks. Um, they were setting back. You know, obviously they had to check into if I was good enough, like with the trials and whatnot. And the mark, he's about to win the trial by Yeah, man, great, great. But, uh, yeah, I just I thought it was a race, you know. <laughs> I didn't know everyone else was on the bridle behind me. I looked behind me at furlong. I thought, don't Okay, the emotion you showed on Saturday, uh, which was expected as well, from talking even to your manager Mark Guest. I mean about you and and just the way in which you know you talk about your rides and and the form of these horses and and, and your journey. Was that? Just because everything sort of you know um, clicked together, I mean that's that's the biggest moment of your career, and it's not going to be the only hopefully time you you get a Group One um, beside your name. But it just seemed like that was when all the dominoes stacked up in a line. Yeah, it was some of the emotion that that came over me. It was like I think there's a lot of different aspects. It was like yeah, I could probably picture my parents sitting at home. What, middle of the night watching me ride a winner and jumping around and that was just sort of running through my mind for some reason when I come back in and then sort of the lead up to the race as well like there was a lot of pressure on me the horse you know it's a very expensive horse and everything that happened in the gloaming stakes as well I got a lot of abuse online for that which is you know I never really never really take notice of that um, but that was definitely hanging over my head as well and I've always been confident in my abilities. I just needed the right horse to get on, and, and just thankfully I was able to sort of shut up the haters and end. And um, you know he's he's a fair he's a fair machine, and you know he could be could be anything really going forward. Mm. That's exciting, mate. I mean, I know that obviously your parents were watching that at night. I mean, um, 
no doubt you you spoke to them at length after the performance when you got home. Yeah, I, I yeah I spoke to my I spoke to my parents yeah when I got home and they were delighted and uh, yeah I've gone around the town with their chests held high I suppose it's only a small town sort of everyone knows everyone so mm. no it's great that's fantastic and what about um, you know some of the the other young jocks in the room, mate, I know that obviously, you know, Tom's uh, quite close with you, Tom Sherry. Unfortunately, he's not riding at the moment, but your peers as well, mate, um, for them to, to give you those accolades. And we saw and heard plenty of them on Saturday. Yeah, no, it was great. A lot, of, a lot of the jockeys come in and, you know, obviously were restricted, sort of said congratulations to me across the room. And, um, you know, it was... Um, it's great to sort of earn another level of respect from from the jockeys. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's even if I never if I never ride one again, hopefully we can get a lot more. But um, I'll always have that accolade of you know that I'm a Group One winning jockey. So, mate, what about an example? I dreamt as a kid of doing what I'm doing now, and to do what I do now, it, I still pinch myself. But I had to reassess. You know how you set goals. You know this was always my goal to do what I'm doing. Now you've achieved your goal of winning a Group One, and that would have been your your dream for a very very long time. What now? Have you? I know it's early days, but it is something you're going to have to think about because you've always got to have targets and try and achieve them throughout your career. What What are some of the new ones? Because you've already ticked a big one. Win the Everest. That's a new one. <laughs> I think. Um... Uh, yeah, like I, I remember, you know, being a kid playing G1 jockey on the on the PS2. Yes, <laughs> when it uh, you know it all first started, you get the love for racing and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I've always wanted to be a, a G1 jockey, I suppose, and um, that's always been the dream since I started racing. Was you know, everyone group on it to see it'll be the pinnacle of success. But once once you get there and you taste it, you, know, you want some more and like I was speaking to Nash at the trials this morning, and he said, "Once you once you get one, you think you're there, but all you want to do is ride more and just keep outdoing yourself. And it's just the the mindset of jockeys. You're always trying to outdo yourself and improve on everything you do. And like I won the Spring Champion Stakes. Like I'd love to win the Spring Champion Stakes twice. You know what I mean? Something like that. Or mm. I think one at the moment, and everyone's lips is the Everest, and it's just one of them races that's going to be world class race in the next couple of years. And uh, I can't win the whole lot of money. Well, you'll be there. You 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 won't be in riding in the race, but you'll be there and you'll be watching. Um, and it is something to to definitely put um, put in your sleeve for something to uh, to achieve. Uh, in terms of your career, you're pretty happy here in Sydney, as I said. You've got the you've laid the foundations. You've got a beautiful partner. You've also got uh, a house you've bought. So I mean, for a bloke that arrived with a backpack, it's uh, it's been pretty amazing the last couple of years. Yeah, I've been I've been very lucky, you know. I I, um, I, I work very hard. I work as hard as I can, and um, you can work as hard as you can. But if you're not lucky, at the end of the day, you know you can work yourself working yourself to sleep, I suppose. And um, I I've had I have a lot of people to thank along the way, a list as long as my arm. But um, I think I think if you just like if you work work just keep working and keep your head down and be smart with stuff as well like just you know the world is your oyster 
Appreciate you coming on, mate. Um, there's been a lot of press your way over the last couple of days, uh, but you're very, very well spoken, and you let the riding do the talking on Saturday. You rode that horse an absolute treat, and who knows what's in store for you in the autumn, mate. Um, you've got the cattle, um, you've got the ability, and it's your time to shine. Thanks for coming on, Robbie. Oh, thanks very much for having me.